Hi guys, and welcome to Oh Crumbs, the gluten-free podcast. With me, Sarah Howells, the gluten-free blogger. And me, Laura Strange, my gluten-free guide. Hello and welcome back to Old Crumbs. Yay! Woo-hoo! <laughs> I just feel it wouldn't be a good introduction without us whooping, so... No, I think it's well, got to happen in every episode. <laughs> so, Laura, what have you been up to this week? Well, I've been weathering the rain in London because it's been rubbish weather here. But oh, same. to keep me warm into the winter season, I've been eating lots of food. I mean, it's literally all I do. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Listeners of this podcast must be like, oh my Lord, she is a right old pork chop. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the job though isn't it sarah we've got to eat our way around all the gluten-free food so that we can tell everyone the best things to get exactly um i had a really nice afternoon tea at one old witch hotel with some other bloggers Ooh, i love it there yeah i've wanted to go for so long like literally when i was pregnant i was fixated on this charlotte and the charlotte Charlie, Charlie, Charlie Charlie and the Chocolate Factory afternoon tea, um, which is like the themed one they do there. Obviously, mega chocolatey. And because they've got Celiac UK accreditation, it's like a really good, safe, gluten-free afternoon tea to go for. Um, Yeah, I loved it. I think it like, you know, our amazing one we had at the Sanderson. Oh, it was so good. Mm, I feel like that is still the pinnacle for me. This one was so close. Like, it was really, really, really good. So, um, yeah, recommend that. Um, I also um, oh, got uh, a preview of a new pastry range um, that's launching in Selfridges. So, by that, I mean, like, gluten-free Danish pastries. Um, it's come... Oh, the dream. Yeah, they're so good. Um, there's a fully gluten-free bakery called Manaju, um, and they are selling through Selfridges at the moment in a couple of their cafes. Um, so they've launched some new products and they kindly gifted me a whole range to try and wow. I filled my little tummy with yummy custard danishes and I really recommend that you guys go and try those if you want them. Oh, I can't wait to try them. Um, that's kind of, it was good because um, sadly in London, Beyond Bread has closed. Yeah. Which I don't know if you guys are familiar with Beyond Bread. They're like 100% or were 100% gluten-free cafe and bakery, but yeah they've sadly shut up all their shops and their Selfridges stall as well I think for lots of people that was quite like a sad blow because they were one of the original fully gluten free spots in London so anyone visiting London anytime soon really sorry to break that news to you but at least you can get lovely pastries and Selfridges in the meantime well that is true yeah so I mean that's my kind of London roundup for this week Sarah what have you been up to? Um, well, actually, I went down to River Cottage, where we were a few weeks oh, ago. so lush. Um, I actually went back to visit Naomi Devlin, who we interviewed a few episodes back. Um, she runs a lot of gluten-free cooking courses, and I was very kindly invited to her advanced gluten-free baking course. Um, oh, I think that's amazing. Yeah, I didn't really know what to expect, so I've done a couple of cooking classes, but it was incredible. We made, oh, we made rough puff pastry which are the best cheese straws I've ever had in my life. They were so good. Um, Naomi made these amazing baguettes and she made this gatto as well. And then we also made um, focaccia and what was the other? Oh, profiteroles. Oh, we made profiteroles. Her her cheese pastry recipe is amazing. And so easy. Yeah, I made at home before and made like incredible eclairs that like I'm not bigging myself up because it's all her recipe. Like... (laughs) I think she's brilliant. Like, she has some fantastic recipes. And... Yeah, she was really good at explaining it. And all the recipes were so good and so accessible as well. I kind of 
was worried. I thought, oh my gosh, we're going to make all these things that are really complicated. And actually, like, everything came out amazingly. And it was a really good day. Some lovely people there as well. Oh, nice. And really nice to just be in a room with loads of gluten-free people. Oh, was it nice to see Naomi again, one of our favourite guests? Oh, it was so good to see her. I didn't want to leave. I was like, can I just stay at River Cottage? It's so nice here. (laughs) She's a legend. Oh, she's brilliant. Yeah, and then there was some news as well, wasn't there, from Leon um, this week about a new launch? Yeah, I think they've launched um, a new katsu curry, which is basically their gluten-free chicken nuggets with a katsu sauce. I know we spoke before about some, you know, discrepancies possibly with Leon. People weren't sure, but actually it seems to be getting really good feedback. I mean, have you been to Leon since we spoke about them last, Laura? Yeah, actually, I've tried them recently because I wanted to kind of see what it was like for myself. And I had a good experience. Um, Although it was weird. (laughs) I just feel like there's such wild variation in the experiences that people have. Yeah. So like, I got there and I was like, oh, I'm celiac. And the woman literally did not give a flying rat's whatever. (laughs) I really just stopped using that as my (laughs) over-the-top phrase. A flying rat. Um, A flying rat's whatever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well I don't want to swear because then we've got to put the explicit label oh, yeah. on the podcast and people might think we're talking about Rufus so. <laughs> although I did get told off for calling Christmas a C word this week on Facebook <laughs> <laughs> in case you have, guys haven't seen Chris, a lot of the gluten free Christmas products are coming out at the moment so um, yeah apparently I can't call it the C word oh yeah maybe we should talk about Christmas briefly we're just we're not I don't want to Sarah loves Christmas I love Christmas. Yes, and I love Christmas at Christmas time. Um, but I feel like <laughs> stuff was being launched in September, which is so early. But, I mean, we'll, we'll do a Christmas roundup soon. But there are loads of Christmas products on the shelves this, uh, in um, the Free From section. So if you want to go have a little look, you might find some treats. Okay, so this week we've had a really interesting question come in on our Twitter um, somebody's asked us, is there such a thing as a range of seriousness in celiac disease itself or just a range of seriousness in the symptoms? It's really tempting for me to be less careful than I should be. I've not bothered about May contains until recently either. Well, yeah, there is a big range of uh, celiac disease. Um, I guess celiac disease per se is serious for everyone. Yeah. Um, but we definitely all react differently. And I think even if you're not necessarily having a strong reaction, you should still stick to your gluten-free diet because on like the lower end of the scale in terms of reaction um this i think it's called silent celiac disease yeah which one of my friends had one of our friends has um and so she does not know if she's been gluten she sticks to a very strict gluten-free diet because she has no idea she won't show any symptoms but the damage will still be happening to her internally yeah and if she were to eat gluten um she could suffer from all sorts of long-term problems which is why you should avoid it and then i kind of the sliding end of the scale yeah i mean some people have really really bad symptoms so like whereas this person might um not know and it could be really tempting to then eat gluten like it's no less serious than someone who does end up like really ill for days and then there can be like really rare conditions um with things like refractory celiac which is where you're still eating a gluten-free diet and you continue to get ill that's Um, so tough that must be awful for those people yeah and apparently it only occurs in like two to five percent of people with celiac but if you are having ongoing symptoms you should definitely speak to your doctor Mm. about how they can like investigate something like that because i think that can have further complications but yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many different symptoms. I mean, I know when I eat gluten, by accident, even sometimes my symptoms are different. So sometimes... Yeah, like, so ours are different, aren't they? Like, I know yeah. if I've had a tiny bit of gluten, I get really poorly. 
so I react quite severely. Sometimes I'll get a stomachache, sometimes I'll just get like brain fog, so I mean sometimes even my symptoms vary from each time. Mm. So Yeah, and that's the thing, like I don't think my reaction is always exactly the same. No. And when I was, as we kind of go on to in a, today's interview, um, <laughs> when I was pregnant, my reactions were different. And yeah. then since being pregnant and having had my daughter, my reaction to gluten is, oh, well, they're so much worse or anyway. But yeah, I think it, it changes as you get older. Mm, like, totally. I mean, when I was first diagnosed, my symptoms, I think, were like stomach aches and not really putting weight on. Whereas now mm-hmm. I get like bloating and I get like a brain fog and it's completely different to what I had before. Yeah. Um, so I think like no matter how different your symptoms are, if you've got celiac, you should always, always take it seriously yeah. um, and always keep to a strict gluten-free diet. And we know it's frustrating and annoying, but it does become like a second nature once you get used to how to deal yeah, with it. Yeah, definitely. So hopefully that's helped and we're not being too like, no, you must, you're being naughty. Yeah, sorry. We never try to like tell people what to do. It's more like just trying to like make you realise like how serious it can be and like how the best thing you can do to look after yourself and to make sure that you stay healthy in the long term is just to stick to that gluten-free diet when you have celiac disease. Definitely. And speaking of celiac disease, I think it's time we move on to our next uh, guest. Laura, who could it be this week? <laughs> it's me! Yay! <laughs> Sorry to disappoint you guys. And <laughs> no, I think everyone will be really interested to hear your story because we kind of covered everything right from your diagnosis as like a teenager yeah. um, through to like celiac pregnancy we talked about travel yeah it was quite big for me as well because I've always kept my my life very private and quite separate from my Instagram so it feels proper interrogated her (laughs) no it it felt it initially felt weird uh like the prospect of like being interviewed myself but then I started talking and it felt quite natural (laughs) she's quite hard to stop her when she gets going (laughs) she's not lying I am a right chatterbox since I get going oh I think you guys will find this so helpful though like I think there'll be so many good tips so Laura let's hear your interview oh god I hope you like it Now, on today's episode, I'm going to be interviewing my co-host, Laura Strange, Hello. my gluten-free guide. Uh, no pressure. <laughs> um, Laura and me are both CDAC, so Laura, I just want to know everything about your CDAC diagnosis and CDAC pregnancy. There's so much we have to, like, cover in this interview. Yeah, I just think it's so interesting to hear from other celiacs about... Oh, sorry, I'm rustling, aren't I? You're sorry, everyone. I'm sitting on a beanbag. I'm <laughs> such a wriggler. I can't stay still. But today, I'm going to share some of... My own personal story, as Sarah's mentioned. So I guess we'll start with like your celiac diagnosis. So I understand you were diagnosed in your teenage years. Like, tell me about how you got to the point of being diagnosed with celiac disease. Yeah, so I think I was a pretty healthy child when I was young. I always had stomach pains for years and years. So I would go to the doctor and they would say, oh, it's just growing pains. Fine, she'll grow out of it. How frustrating. So well, I think it was frustrating for my mum and dad in particular because they'd be taking me in and just keep getting the same answer. Just you hit a brick wall, you don't get any diagnosis. But fast forwarding a few years, um, when I was 14, I got my formal diagnosis. And this was after I'd been really, really poorly. I really struggled with, what we found out later was anemia, which was a big symptom of celiac disease. Oh gosh. So when I had my blood test done during my diagnosis, my iron levels were two. And, and what should they be? They should be between two and 300. I wow. Believe. So they were incredibly low. 
as a result of this anemia, which was a byproduct of my undiagnosed celiac disease, yeah. I was incredibly tired. I really, really struggled to get through the day. And it was like that crucial age, those early teenage years. Yeah, like, how did you find that? Because that's kind of a time when you're out socialising and yeah. you're kind of learning about yourself. Like, how was that? Well, I wasn't out socialising. I, I was, I genuinely found it really hard to get through the day at school. I'd be like sat on my desk. So I'd gone oh, from being so like super sociable, popular, like 11 year old to a 14 year old who just genuinely struggled couldn't have any energy for social situations and you definitely end up like falling behind your peers they're all yeah. growing up and hitting puberty and you're I, I was super thin as well people assumed I had an eating disorder because I weighed six stone but was quite tall oh, wow um so that was hard it was just a big like storm of frustration um and just not knowing what was wrong I would eat so much food um, and just never gain any weight. I mean, not much has changed on the eating of the food. No, as I've witnessed over the last few Sarah. days. <laughs> I'm the same, it's fine. I'm an eater. But I eventually got my diagnosis. Um, we encountered a different GP who said, left see that disease, sent me for a blood test. My level showed that I was probably a good candidate for yeah. it. Likely to have it. Had my endoscopy, which I actually found fine. I, yeah? Yeah, I, you mentioned um, in your previous episode that you went under general anesthetic. Yes, I did, yeah. Did you? No, mine was, I was just sedated. Okay. So I remember it all quite well, and which is strange. I have a bad memory about most things in life, but I, I, I know, say, like, a poor memory, an inability <laughs> to record details. But with that, I remember it quite clearly, like being in hospital and you have like a, an anesthetic sprayed in your throat, which tastes like salty banana seawater. It's gross. Wow, that is quite That's a flavour combination. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> disgusting. And then when it's the endoscopy, don't remember anything about that. I was just no. sedated and woke up and it had been done and that was great. And wow. It was and so yeah, for me, I know lots of people worry about that phase of C that diagnosis. Yeah. But I would say really don't worry at all. It's very painless and it's over before you, you know it's done. And and it's so important to, to get that, to have Definitely. that procedure done for you to get your formative celiac diagnosis. So yeah, then I was diagnosed. So what happened then? Obviously you had this diagnosis, you then faced kind of a gluten-free diet. Had you heard about celiac? Did you have any idea what was going to happen next? No. The irony is that my granddad was a baker. Oh, no. <laughs> the bakeries. So my childhood had been very like heavy on the gluten, kind of, you know fresh buns and croissant oh, wow. for breakfast and, but then I was never really that keen on them um I, it's really interesting yeah again, you mentioned this just how your body like naturally issues things I it's like it knows that you yeah, can't eat them I was never keen on them you know I'd, I'd eat them obviously I just yeah. had a normal diet but I would then I used to get really really bad tummy aches um so I'd sit in the bath eating ice cubes Oh wow, that's so, that makes me feel so sad. And again, we all just thought it was some like quirky habit I had. Yeah. Because I was just because I was so exhausted, just a quiet little kid, eat my ice cubes in the oh. bath. But then after I'd been diagnosed, it was a complete life changer. Like all the frustration was lifted. I suddenly had energy. I was gaining weight. Wow, um, it was amazing. Like being diagnosed with celiac disease, definitely one of the most positive experiences really for me because it suddenly gave me answers. And I think that's really important because a lot of people look at it as being this awful thing where you have to give up lots of stuff. But like you're saying, for you, it actually was a massive positive change yeah. in your life. And I think lots of people would agree because you have all these years of just feeling terrible and yeah. not being able to function and then being given the answer. It's just, yeah, wow. So was anyone else in your family have celiac disease? Were you the first one? I was the first. My mum was subsequently diagnosed um, when she hit 50, so wow. a few years after I got my diagnosis. 
Um, she was ill with another autoimmune condition, which we assume kind of activated her celiac yeah. disease that was obviously kind of lurking in her genes because it's a genetic yes. condition. But yeah, because I had it already, it was already diagnosed and doctors got tested her much more quickly. And um, uh, so she is celiac and also has a lactose intolerance. So poor thing, has extra wow, dietary yeah. requirements to contend with. But definitely for me, I find it easier maintaining a gluten-free diet purely because I think being diagnosed so young, I don't really miss gluten. Yes, and I completely agree with you on that, the same thing. I know that if I ate gluten, I'd just be in so much pain. Yeah. Um, whereas I know for mum, like she had 50 years of normal life. That must be cakes, so hard. She really misses like crusty bread. And, sorry, I don't oh, want to make anyone start no, salivating that gluten product. So then obviously you've, you've been seeing that for 20 years, but at some point you decided to start your blog, which is just this fantastic resource of recipes, okay. travel, products. There's so much on it. Like where did that idea come from? There was no logical idea really. I actually started on Instagram. I know lots of other people kind of started the blog first. Um, I used to work for a law firm, in fact, like a corporate job. And I just needed like a creative outlet. Instagram was around and I thought, oh, this is great. I quite like this format. You can pictures up of the food that I was eating. And a few like friends of friends had been diagnosed with celiac disease or having to follow a gluten-free diet and were asking me for tips. And I used to have a Word document I'd like send out to people. That's and amazing. And it just seemed, well, at least you want to be helpful, right? Yeah. You remember how like daunting it is when you're first getting to grips with a gluten-free diet. Definitely. So it's really helpful to, I felt at the time, to like have a list of people like, this is what you can't have and this is the sneaky products you should avoid. Started this Instagram account and I just used to post terrible pictures of <laughs> the products that I tried and liked and tips and recipes and things that I'd made. Um, and it gradually grew. Like I never set out to be a blogger. It was completely kind of organic the way it grew. And but I don't now know it's your career. Well. Yeah, so it's my full-time job. I also have a young daughter who I look after a couple of days a week. But when she's at nursery, I can focus on my... Um, blog I do recipe development yeah what um, sort of recipes do you do you have anything specialized or anything you like I do really love really I think I'm I'm really keen on kind of the naturally gluten-free recipe just making really nice food at home that's easy to put together but it's good as part of a balanced diet but I also love baking I yes. make a lot of brownies although my oven is currently uh, has died but um, your brownies look incredible and you do like a raspberry and white chocolate blondie which I need to make because it just looks yeah. so good yeah oh well, I just they're so easy like gluten-free brownies can be the most uninspiring snack yeah like one cake you always get a coffee shop so you're just like oh great a dry brownie but when you make a good gluten-free brownie the better the normal ones um and yeah so I've made a lot of those that's and good cakes and bakes and all sorts of other things so it's just really fun and you do so many recipes as well Sarah like you know what it's like. It's just yeah. It's it's fun in the kitchen. It is you're fun. Playing around and but I think the one thing that makes your blog really unique is you have this extensive collection of travel guides because yeah. you have travelled so much. Mm. Do you want to talk us through some of your favourite places to go for gluten free? Yeah. Okay. Well, so on my travel guides now, I think I've got like more than sixty destinations covered wow. on the blog. And the ridiculous thing is, I've been to so many more countries that I uh, had visited as a celiac before I started blogging. So. If you're looking for travel tips and you're on my website and a destination isn't there, just ping me an email because I might have some tips in my head. Um, helpful. <laughs> but yeah, so top countries, Italy is definitely the best country that I have been to for gluten-free. Which you wouldn't think because it's home of pasta and pizza. Exactly. You would expect it to all be like wheat galore. But um, there's a higher prevalence of celiac disease in Italy. So okay. Italians are really clued up and loads of restaurants have gluten-free pasta, gluten-free pizza and 
I don't think I found a gluten-free offering in Italy that isn't also celiac, so. That's amazing. Yeah. So, like, on the flip side, if you go to the America, the USA, there's a big problem with cross-contamination. There's lots of gluten-free that isn't suitable for celiacs, which right. it gets frustrating, so you kind of have to be on your guard a bit more. Uh, but, no, Italy is fab. And I would say if you're, like, recently diagnosed, you're a bit nervous about going on holiday, Italy's a really good place to start. Yeah. Um, Spain, another European country that's great. Uh, France, terrible. <laughs> Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Paris is good. Yeah. Outside of Paris, it's very hard. It's like land of the baguette, isn't it? Uh, it's just cross-contaminated. They just don't really uh, take it seriously. I yeah. It's harsh, but... But I don't know. We've also travelled further afield. We went to Indonesia on our honeymoon. Amazing. Um, and had a great time. I only got gluten once in Bali, which is meant to be gluten-free paradise. Yeah, you'd think that would be really good. Yeah. <laughs> and ironically, at the smaller um, places we visited, uh, people made so much, uh, took, took so much care and effort to make sure that I could have a safe meal. Um, and it was just working out different ways to communicate my dietary requirements with people, rather than saying, yeah. I have celiac disease, I'd say, oh, I, I can't have soy sauce, I can't have, you know, I yeah. the ingredients that, I, that they would potentially use that I couldn't have. And I think that's what's so great about your blog is that you make it seem really easy to actually be able to travel because I think a lot of people must think travelling with celiac disease or gluten-free is going to be so difficult but then they can actually just come to your site and there's this amazing resource and you're kind of proving that it doesn't have to stop you. Yeah, and there's loads... And there's, I'm not the only one doing kind of gluten-free travel blogging as well. There's some other brilliant yeah. sites, so can I shout? Of course you can. So, I love um, Sightseeing Celiac, uh, Rachel, who runs that. She is a proper strict celiac and she does some brilliant travel guides um, and has a big general one about kind of just travel as well uh, as, as a celiac. Um, yeah. I'm going to forget. There's a couple of others I'm going to forget off the top of my head. We can put them in the show notes. I'll put, in the, yeah, I will. In the show notes, I'll put down yeah. some links to some of my other favourite kind of gluten-free travel blogs. Sarah's got some great guides. Um, another friend, Gluten Interrupted, has a couple of brilliant uh, European guides. But I'll do your list. I think my main message, though, is that just because you are celiac or have dietary requirements, you should still go and travel. If you love it, like I do, Definitely. go. Worst case scenario, fill your suitcase full of snack bars. Um, Such a good tip. <laughs> but you'll always find, find something to eat. You just sometimes have to do your research ahead of time. You have to be patient and just be mm. friendly. It gets you a long way. Good tip. And you also travelled with Alba, who yes. is your beautiful baby girl. Yeah, 15 months old now. Yeah, how was that travelling with her? Uh, it was great. I really enjoyed it. So when Alba was, how many weeks old? 12 weeks old? We went on our first trip. That's amazing. We packed up the car and off we went for five weeks around Europe. And it was great. Uh, the, the, first, the first three nights I found really hard because we were staying in an Airbnb in Ghent in Belgium and it sounds like a stupid thing people with kids will get this it was that time of year when the days are really long sun comes up early and goes oh down no. late and there was a skylight that we couldn't close so it would get like oh poor Al was just waking, all, waking up all the time oh no. and I was like I'm a terrible parent <laughs> we should go and my husband is just like he's a bit of a rock he is so calm and always just powers through any situation. And he was like, nope, come on. And then we got to our next stop, which was too far to drive back to the UK in the day. And then it was great. So you definitely have that like kind of new parent anxiety. Yeah. Am I do the right thing for my child. But no, it was brilliant. I would highly recommend it to anyone. Like after that, we went on a long haul trip to Canada and the USA with her. And we did another trip to Europe, uh, to France and Spain for a friend's wedding for a few weeks. 
and it was a great experience. Um, it also amazed me how easy it was to travel with a young baby. Yeah. Much easier than it is traveling with her now. Like, I think it would be so difficult. I mean, I don't have kids, but I imagine it would be really difficult. No, it's easy because um, whether they're breastfeeding or having milk, like, the, the food source is kind of always with you. I and, suppose so, yeah. And all they, all babies need at that age is, is their parents and yeah. a, like, a nice warm place to sleep. And we, we took her travel cot and took her toys. She had no idea. I still think that it was really good for her developmentally as Definitely. well. Definitely. Because she was, as we, she was really like looking around at things, and a lot of people said to us, oh, it's pointless, she won't remember what, it when she's older. But and you she will. Won't, but yeah, we've got, we had such great memories, and it was lovely having that time as a family. And um, yeah, our, and glue, on the gluten free front, it was pretty much everywhere we went was easy enough. Just a couple of places in France were hard work. Um, but we would get an Airbnb and self cater. So. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, Speaking of Alba, obviously when someone has celiac disease, there is this kind of overriding fear that maybe it might affect your fertility yeah. because I know a lot of people find out they have celiac through like either infertility or recurrent miscarriages, it's one of the mm. symptoms. Yeah, so sad. So when you got to the point that you thought, right, we want to start a family, like was that a big concern for you? So, uh, if I talk about it quite personally, um, my celiac disease hit in at about the it was undiagnosed kind of when I probably would be going through puberty. So as a result, my onset puberty was delayed until I was kind of like my late teens. Wow. So, and then ever since I had just never, ever had regular periods. Oh, I would wow. go for like six months without having one. So I had always been aware that it might be harder for us, uh, for me. Or yeah, of course. Um, and that's a kind of, a, oh, sorry, I'm not, not, I won't wax lyrical about my husband too much, but, He's brilliant. I think from the early days of our relationship, I made it clear that like I had no official like confirmation of this, but I wasn't sure that I would be able to have children. Yeah. And for him, he was just you. It said exactly what you want to hear, basically. Like you're enough. Like if we get an addition, that's lovely. But otherwise, we're kind of happy as we are. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, it's oh. lovely. Um, but because it can be, it's that horrible feeling, is it? If you don't know if you can have children, like it's you don't want to take that opportunity away from someone else as well. No. So, but no, it was it was all good. We didn't like officially try but we just did a thing where we we're like oh we'll just see what happens yeah but we were seeing what, ha- what was gonna happen and nothing was happening and I went to see the doctor because I think like in the year before I had three periods over the course of 12 months oh wow yeah. so was speaking to my doctor and she was like to be quite honest you're probably not ovulating oh, with periods kind of that far apart so you will likely struggle to conceive which are kind of the words that smack you in the face a little bit and it was quite tricky because I think ultimately no one in the general population knows whether they can have children or not. Like well, none no. of us know. So you try and talk about it with friends who who aren't weren't celiac and they wouldn't really understand. They kind of dismiss it as oh well, none of us know if we can have children or not. It'll probably be fine. Sometimes just want to I talk think it's different when it. a doctor tells you that thing. Yeah. It's not just you thinking oh it's not working. It's a doctor saying you probably can't have this, and that's a bit more real. Yeah, and so and, and for me, I didn't want to go down the IVF route because we'd seen some friends go through that. Yeah. Personally, not for me. So we kind of thought, do you know what? We will just see what happens um, for the next few years. And if worst case, if we don't get to our mid thirties and nothing's happened, we'll adopt children. I think I found it really hard for about it was around that the Christmas time before yeah. we 
amazingly had Alba. Um, quite a lot of my good friends were pregnant and that was really hard. Kind of being around that because you want to be so happy for people. Yeah. You are so happy for people. But inside you're like, you want to oh. hear about their pregnancies and, you know, their, their troubles with their, their children and, yeah. and things. But it's it's very, it can be really hard and quite isolating sometimes when you hear that. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird balance. You kind of have the, the, you're torn between being a good friend and self-preservation. Yeah. <laughs> After that, decided, you know what, I don't want to focus on this anymore. So, yeah, we just stopped thinking about anything. I ended up actually deciding I was going to have a late gap year. And, oh, really? Yeah, and resigned from my job, um, which was quite a stressful job anyway. Wow. And um, then off we went to, like, a, a festival, went on our holiday, came back from holiday feeling, like, a, a pretty bloated I mean, um. I ate a lot of food on that holiday, <laughs> as, as Sarah has uh, confirmed. I as I've witnessed. Um, and, yeah, did a pregnancy test, having, having done many, many pregnancy tests before this, and then always being negative, and it was positive. Wow. <laughs> and what, so it, were so you just in shock? Oh, we were both in shock. I started wailing. Oh, as you would. <laughs> and, well, because I only thought about it, because my, um, like, one of my best friends had had her baby that morning. Oh, wow. And so I was like, hang on. No. And so I went to this test, and... And my whole poor husband was like, oh no, Laura's really upset about this, it's kind of hit home. But no, it was it was great, we were both in shock, we just hadn't really thought it was going to happen for us. So that's amazing that after all that, you ended up with this amazing baby girl. Yeah, so we worked out so well, we were just delighted, obviously, and like I said, it, it was a bit of a shock, but the most wonderful shock, because we had just, I think it's, anyone who's struggling to conceive, you definitely put yourself in that self-preservation mode, where yes. you just have to, personally, like, Think of the worst case scenario, okay, never going to have my own children, naturally. I'll adopt some lovely children and yeah. I'll have my own happy family eventually. So, um, but no, it was, it was fantastic. And it's also, I just want to kind of make other celiacs realise, firstly, it's not a widespread problem for celiacs that... That's good to know. It's untreated celiac disease can lead to kind of a... It does increase the risk of infertility. Okay. So, um, if you are trying to conceive or thinking about it, just make sure you stick to your gluten-free diet as much as you can. Like, that's the most important thing that you can do for your body. Um, but it kind of goes to show that even if you have ridiculously irregular periods or and you think your body's not working... It might That's well be. Right. And it's just a case of, it's, it might take you a bit longer. So don't give up hope. Just kind of keep trying. Yeah, I think that's a great message. And so, obviously, being pregnant with CDATCs, yeah. Um, is there anything different to like normal pregnancy about that? Most of it's pretty normal. Um, you have to have an increased um, folic acid supplement. So um, when you're thinking about conceiving or in your first trimester, just go speak to your GP okay. and get a, I think you have to get five milligrams and a four milligram uh, dose of folic acid. And that's a supplement that's important for the babies like brain and spinal cord development. And as celiacs, we have to have a higher dose because our guts aren't as good at absorbing. Yes. So they're just kind of giving you that turbo boost yeah. to make sure that, you know, everything is happy and being absorbed. I'm trying to think what else for me. I had to have a, a higher iron supplement as well because my iron levels were super low. Um, I suppose if you had problems with that anyway, it's something that you probably yeah. needed. To and like babies, obviously, the bodies are amazing the way they work. Yeah. Like we are literally... The mum can feel awful, but the baby so happy in that. That's crazy, like, oh, isn't it? I'm taking all the good nutrients because that's how you know yeah. we're set up to like deliver all the good stuff to the baby. So, other than that, it was just I think it was pretty normal. You just look after yourself. I got gluten when I was pregnant. Oh no! Yeah. I bet that just made you feel rubbish. Yeah. Oh, the weird thing is because when you're pregnant, your immune system is suppressed. Right. My reaction wasn't as severe. Oh. So I knew I'd been gluten. 
long story short, the restaurant told me they had accidentally fed me gluten. Oh. So I immediately like got the tube um, in London back home to my flat, sat on the sofa with Dave bringing me things while I like snuggled up, Just ready waiting. to be, ready literally were waiting for the inevitable. And was fine. Oh wow! And I spoke to my mum about it. She was a science background, and she was saying, "Yeah, it's quite common." But I mean, once I had Albert, I got glutened. Jesus Christ, my reaction. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> wow. Did it get worse? It was the worst glutening of my life. Yeah. Oh, no. But no, that was probably just the the situation. But, yeah. Um, no, no, all good. Fairly smooth pregnancy. Amazing. And then Albert appeared. And, yeah. And that's been an interesting journey as well. Like having a young child. Um, so far, she is fine with gluten. Okay. So we weaned her onto gluten. It was the last allergen I put her on. Was it? Did Were you all... nervous? Yes, yeah, so nervous. And I found it really upsetting, the thought that she could be celiac. Whereas then you give yourself a reality check and you're like, it's so much worse. Yeah, you're like, like well, I'm celiac and it's not the end of the world. Yeah, if your child does have celiac disease and you're a celiac parent, you know, like, firstly, what to look out for. Secondly, like, what to feed them, like, how to manage that diet. So it could be worse. Um, but then there's on the flip side, there's the issues as a celiac parent with a child throwing gluten crumbs everywhere. Yeah, how do you deal with that? And obviously the cross contamination side of it. Yeah, so at home we just don't have any gluten. So okay. she has gluten free snacks. And then at nursery she eats gluten. Right. And then she Good gets way around home. It. When she gets home, I like take her out of her gluten clothes. Straight into the bath. <laughs> and maybe making play doh or something containing gluten. I'm just like, oh, quick in the bath. So were you um, worried about like weaning her onto gluten? Because I guess some people might not want to, but is that an important thing yeah, to really do? Yeah, really important to. I actually, my uh, friend of mine, he's a dietitian. He has a child about the same age, uh, and she's celiac as well. Uh, she gave me some really good advice. Um, basically, she was like, "You need to kind of get them on gluten before okay. about seven months or about that marker, um, just to it's that's the age you should introduce it." Right. Even if you're a celiac parent, because I was. I was quite reluctant to. As you would be. Yeah, I just wanted to wait until she was eating really well um, and that I knew what the output of her nappies should look yes. like before we introduced gluten. Um, but yeah, she we started weaning her for about five months because she was so interested in food. Uh, and yeah, so far, so good. She does seem to love food. She has been chatting about bananas and apples the entire time she's I've been a, here. She's a real chunky little baby, as I was as a child. So <laughs> we will get her tested. So with celiac disease now, obviously the the first step is um, a blood test to okay, see yeah. if you carry the gene. Okay. So then um, if that is negative, then it's all good. It's so what age will she be when she's first I need to check the doctor, actually. In my head, I'm assuming about two. Okay, I'm yeah. not quite sure where I plucked that number from. So that's um, just something you contact your GP about and they will presumably yeah. tell you when it's the right time. Exactly. Um, so hopefully she won't be. Hopefully she's got her dad's genes. But... If she is, we'll deal with it, and uh, I'll make her lots of lovely gluten-free cakes. And you can't really argue with that, can you? No, no. <laughs> Lucky Alba. <laughs> Fatten her up. <laughs> um, so, Laura, I think that's pretty much everything, unless there's yeah. anything else. No, I next. think that's everything, really. just wanted to, I think, summary, like, go travel the world, everyone. Like, make sure you get out there, or eat out in restaurants, and do all the things that you would do if you weren't celiac. You just have to plan a bit more. Yeah. Um, it shouldn't limit you in any way and just plan and I mean you've definitely kind of life. inspired me to like travel more do it yeah I want to I'm like reading your travel guides like oh I need to go here next me want to go away again. Oh, you're always away. I know, I know. I'm also very aware of my like environmental footprint, and so that's what we did a couple of trips by car because oh, obviously nice, fuel yeah. flights and yeah. 
So Laura, we've been asking all our guests, so I'm going to ask you too, what is your one pile of wisdom that you share with our listeners? I think it would be, if people tell you that you can't do something, whether it's because you've got a young child, or you're celiac, or anything else, just ignore them and go and do it anyway. Um, I love that. <laughs> we've been told, with everything that we've done, like travelling with Alba, people told us we couldn't do that. Uh, travelling with dietary requirements, people say you can't do that. Eating out in restaurants, yeah, you totally can. It just takes a t- slightly different approach. Keep that positive mental attitude and uh, just yeah, enjoy your life and don't let uh, celiac disease or anything else hinder you. Don't let the gluten get you down. Oh, yes. <laughs> I love it. Uh, don't let the gluten get you down. Um, thank you for letting me interview you. So remind me, if people want to find your amazing recipes, your travel guides, loads of guides all over the world, as well as London, which is like your hunting ground. Oh, yeah, ground, I love it. Um, you're like my go-to guide. So <laughs> remind us where people can find out more about you. Okay, so my blog is uh, www.mygfguide.com. And that's where you can find lots of recipes, travel guides, and product, all sorts of tips. And then my social media, Instagram is my main channel, at my gluten-free guide. I'm also on Facebook, at my gluten-free guide, and Twitter and Pinterest. So go check me out. Amazing. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. Well, Laura, I thought that was a brilliant interview. Thanks. (laughs) I think that'd be so helpful for people. Like, you gave so many good insights into things I think people are struggling with. And also, like, really inspiring and positive as well. I hope so. I just, it can, you can feel a bit alone sometimes. So, if it resonates with one person, I'll be happy. And there you go. Your interview's out the way. You can breathe now. (gasps) (laughs) Hooray! And can we talk about next week's guest? Oh, it might make me hungry, but yeah, I suppose so. (laughs) Um, So next week we interview Tom Barton. He's one of the co-founders of Honest Burgers. They are a nationwide restaurant group um, who are super celiac friendly. Yes. And are kind of beloved in the uh, gluten-free community now, I think, because they offer like gluten-free burgers with buns and chips and onion rings and beer and make us all very happy. I know, they just offer so much and I think it's kind of become one of those like destinations that people look for now Mm. if they are gluten-free or have celiac. So it was a really interesting chat with Tom to just hear all about like how they actually make their offerings safe for celiac to eat. And some really good tips for anyone, any maybe like restaurant or cafe owners listening like about how to cater safely for celiacs and gluten-free customers and why it's a commercially viable thing to do. Exactly. So it's definitely worth listening to. Make sure you eat before this next episode because we'll be talking about burgers a lot. (laughs) Well, we'll see you next week, guys. Bye. Exactly. So if you know any cafes that you want to uh, uh, help off the... I don't know where I'm going with this. You need a burger really, don't you? Yeah, I do. (laughs) Burger. (laughs) Um, they're a... They're a... They're a...